Hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Jeremy. And welcome to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I discuss our favorite childhood movies. This is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Since we were kids, we've been obsessed with movies and have found ourselves always speaking to each other in movie quotes. To the point that we formed many inside jokes, or as we like to call them, Inside, inside quotes. quotes. That was bloody brilliant. Each episode, my brother and I will be taking turns picking a movie to rewatch, review, and relive the magic of our childhood. Mm. I know some of these words. We hope you'll join us for the ride, and maybe we'll make a few inside quotes of our own. Enjoy the show! And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Hi everyone, welcome back to Inside Quotes, episode 21. I'm your host Jonathan, and I'm here with my brother Jeremy. Say hello. Quack quack everybody. <laughs> Hola. Hola, como estas? It's about as far as I got in my Spanish class. I was going to talk about that later. But... Hola, buenos dias. <laughs> como están ustedes? Donde esta la biblioteca? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you probably already know, but this week we're covering the Pixar movie Coco. Coco. But yeah, we didn't co- we didn't grow up with this movie. So, Jeremy, why don't you tell the audience why you picked it this week? Well, I mean, I feel like Pixar movies get a pass. Um, every time they release one, I'm always there to see it, mm-hmm. and it's it makes you. I mean, they make Pixar movies not just for kids. That's why yeah. they're so popular. Um, Pixar is way better than Disney in every way, even though it's owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be a hot take, but it's true. It's true. The Force, the Jedi, all of it. Pixar is the <laughs> Pixar is the the greatest animation studio of all time, and they make some of the best movies of all time. I mean, made my favorite movie, Ratatouille. Is that is that your all-time favorite movie? That's my favorite Pixar movie by far. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd agree. Pixar is definitely the best. Uh no offense, uh DreamWorks, but you're irrelevant. <laughs> you were, you were you were good at Over the Hedge, but you know, once Shark Tale came along, I was just like, nah. I mean, let's not forget Shrek 1 and 2, but okay, Shrek 1 and 2 are Toy Story tier. And when Ooh. I say Ratatouille is my favorite, it's I'm not counting Toy Stories because those are too good to be categorized. But Ratatouille is my favorite, mm-hmm. not including Toy Stories. And then even then, it's still Toy Story 2. Um, but what I was saying is like Shrek is the Toy Story series of DreamWorks, pretty much. Basically, that's all they got. But no, we didn't grow up with this movie. You're right. Nevertheless, it is still a staple of our childhood. And when I say staple of our childhood, I mean staple of our childhood (laughs) reason being this is a pixar movie and 
it's one of the best Pixar movies of this last decade. Yeah, I agree. Toy Story. Um, I mean, we're all going to say the Pixar Renaissance was at the beginning, and it was like Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, Incredibles. I'm going to consider Cars, but that's just like the beginning of the next era with like Up and Ratatouille and WALL-E. Um, but like all those first like 10 movies are amazing. Yeah. And then they made Cars 2. Yeah. And then they made Monsters University. Monsters University is good. I love Monsters University. Can't talk hate on that movie. You can't. I will, I will no, it, it's, it. it's pretty dang good. Brave is um, so mediocre. Brave does not need to be a Pixar movie <laughs> whatsoever. And then they did what? What it was 2014? Inside Out. Well, Some people say that Inside is Out was Inside Out was 2015. Oh, was it? Yeah. So Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur came out in the same year. I'm going to say it. Nobody likes The Good Dinosaur except for me. And I think it's better than Inside Out. I did not like Inside Out, and I'm the only one in the world that didn't like it. Mm. it I like Rogue it. One of Pixar. <laughs> People I, love I, it, but some people hate it. I liked it, but I still feel like Coco is a better movie. I feel like one hundred and ten percent. Coco is just like a top tier, like original. You know, like the first ten years of Pixar goodness. Mm-hmm. It's yep. really, really harkens back to that that time period. It's just so good, and I feel like Coco is the one that, like, actually, I feel like I had kind of stopped going and seeing Pixar movies for a while. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I saw this one in theaters. But after this one came out, I was like, oh, this, it got me excited about Pixar again. It, it brought you about, back into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this podcast, we've talked about like growing up, our movie watching habits, like taking turns on Saturdays, watching movies back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So as we got older, we, we haven't really had the opportunity to do that as much. But this movie takes me back to a time, brief time before you moved to Kentucky, when you were still living here and yeah. you were at home. And we were doing this thing on like Wednesday nights. You would like come over to my condo. Yeah. And you'd stay over and we'd, we'd either watch something on Netflix or we'd get like a red box movie yep. and we'd go and get some Chinese food from the China star, China star shout out. This podcast is brought to you by China star. There's a lot of them, but are they all the same? No, it's definitely the best dirty Chinese in Tampa, Florida. Go there today. <laughs> We would always like it's a Wednesday night. Let's go get some Chinese food, bring it back. And there would either be some like new release on Netflix that we it it was typically a movie that came out in theaters that we did not see, but Mm -hmm. like we wanted to. And so we'd like make like we'd plan on, oh, we're going to watch this movie or we'd get it from like Redbox or something like that. And so I'm pretty sure this one was on Netflix. And I remember you coming over. So anyway, that was just like a thing. You'd like come over to my house and spend the night. And then, like, go to work the next day at Bush Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a solid time. Man, I miss those days. So, yeah, but, like, the 2010s is, like, the lull of Pixar. It's started to pick back up. But the only two, there's only three original movies out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, technically. Eleven movies in this decade. Only three of them are originals. The rest of them are just sequels or prequels. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? There's Brave, which sucked. 
that's a Disney princess movie. That's what that is. Um, then there's Inside Out, which was, eh. Oh, and you forget about the Good Dinosaur. So I guess there's four out of eleven, but that's still a bad number. <laughs> the Good Dinosaur was a good movie. It's, I got Ice Age vibes from it. I will say that, but it was still heartwarming, and you still got that Pixar feel at the end. And then Coco. Coco was the last one of the decade that was original. I mean, we onward was this year, so I'm not counting that. And then yeah, yeah. another one this year will be Soul. Well, that mm-hmm. one's going to be pretty neat. They they've specifically stated they're focusing on originals for now. Yeah, because they they did get carried away with the sequels and stuff for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so before we dive into Coco, let's talk about the this this particular decade. I mean, we'll talk about the the previous decade and the Renaissance when we cover that. But let's talk about this decade. So we have Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4. Now, on the count of three, pick your least favorite movie. One, two, three. Finding Dory. Cars 2. (laughs) (laughs) Finding Dory, I hate. I don't like it. It's not good. I can't yike it. I don't want to watch Finding Dory probably ever again. I will, but it was it was definitely a cash grab, and I just I'm not a fan of it. Main mainly the reason is is whenever it came out the summer after my freshman year of college, and I was working at a at a Regal Theaters, rest in peace, and I was loving it. It was a great job. I was making popcorn, selling ices and drinks and. It, it was a blast until opening night of Finding Dory. And boy, oh boy, I worked a 12-hour shift that time. And Oof. it was so hectic. A 12-hour shift is not what you want to work ever in your life, especially, <laughs> for, especially not for minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they had me do concession duty. I was in the box office. I was everywhere that day. But they also made me do ushering, which I never did. So they were like, hey, so we're a little behind. If you would like to go clean this one theater, theater 14, can you go Can you go sweep that up and clean it up and make it ready for the next showing? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. I've never done it before, but I, I, I can manage it. I go in, and it's the first showing, the, the 8 o'clock showing. 8 a.m.? Uh, the eight no no the eight p.m. Oh okay. So it's a midnight showing, but Thursday, since it's a Thursday movie, night premiere, it, Thursday night premiere, they yeah. call it a midnight showing, but there's kids, so they bring them in at eight o'clock. It was an eight o'clock showing. All right, that theater was full of popcorn. I counted sixteen. Count it sixteen. Large popcorn buckets spilled all over the floor. I counted twenty two drinks and three of which were spilled on the ground and there was candy spilled i even found nerds on the ground and we didn't even sell nerds so that's surprising (laughs) no it's not surprising you know they went to the dollar tree and loaded up on candy before (laughs) and i i full-on support that if you if you sneak in candy to a theater you can they don't care as long as you're discreet about it but anyways it was a nightmare it took me an hour to clean up one theater that should only take five minutes. 
and it was miserable. And I was like, uh, I'm never taking my kid to see a Pixar movie, even though I will, because it's an impossible thing to say. But man, I was, that is, that is the reason I hate Finding Dory. <laughs> so, I mean, you had a negative impression before you even saw the movie. Before I even saw the movie. <laughs> and I watched the movie and I saw it for the first time and I loved it. But then recency bias fizzled out and I was just like, this movie sucks. But we're not talking about Finding Dory. We are talking about Coco. I would say in general, I, I feel like there's very few Pixar movies from the 2010s that you actually did like. Because I feel like most of them, you're just like, oh, I just didn't like that. That wasn't good. Okay, Cars 2. Cars 2. Objectively the worst Pixar movie. It's okay. well known. If you like Cars 2, mm-hmm. let us know so we can like tell you the truth. You know? Talk Brave. about it. Brave also sucks. All right? It's good. It's just mediocre. Monsters University, the first good movie. I mean, I guess technically Toy Story 3 was in 2010, but now that's whatever. A whole- that's what the that's the last good one that that's what the first 10 years yeah. yeah well i guess we can count that um but i still count it as the teens but you don't like inside out that much i didn't like i need to watch it again i've seen it twice and i didn't like it either time it just i did not once. get the, the classic pixar feel mm-hmm. you do like the good dinosaur but i feel like you only like that just because it's like it's underrated so you're like cheering for it as an underdog yeah, no, that is definitely. And also, I have good memories with that. It was another Chinese food condo night. It was, it was. Um, uh, Cars 3. <laughs> Cars 3, okay. It it met our expectations. I'm going to say that. Cars mm-hmm. 3 met our expectations. It it was good. It was good. I'm going to say it's the Force Awakens of the Cars. It was pretty much just like Cars 1. Yeah, it was very um, similar. They didn't even go into the electrical, like the electric car thing. As as much as I thought, they went in a little bit different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the trailer for Cars Three was amazing. It was just a slow mo of Lightning McQueen getting oh like, yeah demolished, and I was so excited for it. I was like, "Wow, this is gonna be something yeah. different. It's not gonna be no spy." I will say that's probably one of the their best trailers because I I do vividly I, remember that. Yeah. So our expectation. Our expectations were low until the trailer. And then we saw the trailer and we were like, oh, shoot, this is going to be good. Then we got excited for it. The poster looked cool. There's this new yellow car. And then the yellow car is where it went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not here for a new character. I mean, we want the old people. That's why we liked cars so much. Mm -hmm. We want Lightning McQueen. We want Owen Wilson's ka-chow. But yeah, it, it came out. It was good. You know, it it was uh, it, it, it the trilogy into the trilogy. You're like, OK, we're done with cars. I'm I'm good with that. Finding Dory. Yeah. We already heard about that. And then Coco. Yeah, which this is the one that that really brought it back. But then after that, Incredibles 2, you're pretty critical on that, too. Oh, man. Incredibles I want to go down 2. the hole. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because we're going to cover that. But I know I, I want I want to love Incredibles 2 so much. I do. <laughs> I I really do. Brad Bird is one of my. I mean, he did he did Ratatouille, yeah, and The Incredibles. I will say he's my favorite Pixar director. We waited fifteen long years. I did my waiting. Twelve years of it in Azkaban. I did my waiting. Fifteen years of it, waiting for the sequel to 
Incredibles. And they announced it and I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. But no, no, it just takes place directly after The Undertaker drills through the town. And it was okay. I mean, it was the ultimate cliffhanger. It was probably the that that was probably the best cliffhanger of the mid 2000s. <laughs> it was. Am I wrong? Um probably yes, but I can't yeah, think of any examples. Probably. <laughs> exactly. Best cliffhanger. And it kind of let us down. That that scene let me down. It just wasn't good. It was just a regular action scene. And they <sighs> Undertaker wasn't even that great of a villain. We thought he would be, but he sucked. Anyways, we'll we'll save that. We'll save the we'll save this for for Incredibles yeah. 2. But I'm very glad that they've they've done originals like Coco. I'm I'm excited about going forward and uh what the future holds. I I like we 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 talked about Onward. We were both pretty pretty uh positive about that one. Oh yeah. Onward was, was great. I'm cooling off on it a little bit now that we covered it. But we'll discuss that at our end of year New Year's spectacular. Yeah, we haven't really actually announced that, but here it is. So far, this is our 21st movie that we've covered. We've always wanted to rank them, so we've decided we're going to do, at the end of every year, we're going to have a special bonus episode where we rank all the movies that we've covered. And I know mm-hmm. this, is, this is our first year, so we only have, like, we'll probably have, what, like 30 movies total by the end of the year? A little bit under, but yeah. A little bit under, maybe 28 movies. Uh, so, but next next year we'll have a lot more, but this year we're planning to rank or we're going to be doing a bracket, maybe a tier list, who knows, of yeah, we all the movies exactly we've covered. How we want to do it, but yeah. We haven't, we haven't figured out all the deets, but it's going to be a great time. There's going to be some arguments. There's going to be some hot takes. Um, so stay tuned for that, because well, me and Jonathan might get some beef with each other. Who knows? It might. Come 2021, there might be a new <laughs> podcast host. <laughs> Bryce Bridgman. <laughs> Ooh, and maybe should we rank our guests over the year? That'd be funny. Ooh, yeah, we'll rank our guests. <laughs> Worst guest ever. <laughs> well, talking about Coco, Jeremy, what does this movie remind you of? I'm going to remind you in a song, actually. Hola, <laughs> hola, buenos dias, como están ustedes? That's what that reminds me of. Senor Maurice. Senor Maurice. Our favorite Spanish teacher besides Senor Samans. Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, I did some research on him Mm -hmm. this morning. So Senor Maurice was this video um, this video Spanish learning tool that we would watch in school because we had uh, a bunch of white teachers that didn't know how to speak Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. And so they would just, it was Spanish time. Let's learn the language. They pretty much taught us our numbers and days of the week. And then, I mean, growing up in Florida, you have to learn a little bit of Spanish in your Mm -hmm. curriculum. I don't know about um, other states or whatever, uh, or other countries for that matter. but. We had to learn a little bit of Spanish every year. So they'd throw on these videos 
And this guy named Senor Maurice <laughs> would start out every video with that song. And I don't remember all the words to it, obviously, because I, yeah. <laughs> but it was just so vivid. I, I also remember, thought back to my, my Spanish classes growing up. Yeah. Uh, specifically in, in, uh, in high schools, you, all, you have to have two years of foreign language. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the only option we had was Spanish. But I specifically remember uh, you referenced him already, Mr. Sammons, the Spanish yep. teacher. I think it was my ninth grade year. Um, well, he did it through middle school, too. So it, it may have been middle school. But uh, he used to, in Spanish class, he would buy Spanish dubs of Disney movies yeah. on eBay. And we'd watch them in class. And he had like these... I feel like he wrote these up, but it was basically like scripts, kind of like abridged versions of the movie script or mm-hmm. of like the plot, basically written in Spanish. And basically yeah. we'd like watch the movies and like have to translate it. But it was really <laughs> I loved it. And actually, I feel like I, it was a pretty effective learning tool. <laughs> um, I think so. I mean, especially since we love movies so much. Yeah. Uh, specifically uh, relating to Pixar, uh, we watched Toy Story in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, I remember watching that, and I also remember watching the Three Caballeros. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think I've even ever seen that in English, dude. I bet Mr. <laughs> Sammons' favorite, uh, I bet Mr. Sammons' favorite character is Spanish Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story Three. I bet he loves that movie. Tying back into Toy Story Three, um, there's a song by the group The Gypsy Kings. Yeah, they they're covering "You've Got a Friend in Me," but in Spanish. And I knew I immediately recognized the voice of the singer because we used to listen to the Gypsy Kings in Mr. Sammons' class. <laughs> Dude, it's like I know who this is. He would. Oh man, he would. He was one of the greatest teachers of all time. Very unconventional. He would start out every class with a with a corny joke, and he would yeah. end. He would end every class with a song, and he would he would like serenade us as we were leaving. And we're like, "Dude, you're going above. You're going the extra mile for us. You're the best." Oh man. <laughs> You just unlocked a song memory that he wrote. I, I wonder if he ever played this for you. I think I know, I know exactly what it's song. called. The Go Minimal ahead. Memory Blues. And yes. The small Hard Drive Complaints. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I remember he, he remember gave us a sheet. sheet. He gave us a lyric sheet to it. He was our, he was our personal Weird Al Yankovic. I, I remember it went like, I remember the first part. It was like, I've got the minimal memory blues and the small hard drive complaints. Yeah. My mouse just died. <laughs> and then it would like keep going. That's all I remember. It did. It sounded like a, like an acapella song too, or like a barbershop yeah. song. It wasn't even like yeah. a blues song. Pretty sure he was in a barbershop quartet. As he, well, was, so. he was, he was, he yeah. was this dude. You, you couldn't be surprised in anything that he did because <laughs> he was just so versatile. But man, if he wasn't my favorite teacher growing up. Yeah, yeah. same. If you're a teacher and you're listening to this and you don't go above and beyond for your kids, what are you doing with your life? You know, <laughs> this is a wake up call. Make them remember you because they won't remember me. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. If you're uh, not playing Ernesto de la Cruz songs for your class, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't even have to be teaching Spanish. <laughs> You'd be teaching math. <laughs> History. You remember history. You could be playing his old movies, better. his old interviews, and just learning. Uh, but anyways, I don't remember learning much about Spanish or any Spanish, and I barely can remember it now. Um, the one word I did know is from one of my Cuban friends, 
is the the word chancla, and you are always going to be scared of the chancla. You need to know that. Mm. Is that the sandal? Yeah. The wrath of the chancla. It says that in the movie, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. She yeah, she yeah. almost whoops the uh, mariachi band guy. Yeah, that was funny. His grandma. That was really <laughs> funny. It was good chancla representation. <laughs> I like, and then later they're walking back and she like throws it at someone. Yeah. <laughs> and then after she's done talking, she's like, and Miguel, go get, go get my chancla. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the Hispanic equivalent to go fetch me a switch, boy. <laughs> Remember me. I have to say goodbye. I was, I was going to mention uh, with this movie, it, got, it won a couple Oscars. It may have been nominated for a lot. I don't, I didn't look up everything. I just know what it won. It won the mm-hmm. best animated feature of 2017. Yeah. 2017. And uh, Remember Me bet won Best Original Song. Song, yeah. yeah, Great great original song, for sure. Mm-hmm. But the reason this movie stands out isn't because of the story. It's not because of the songs. It's because of the beautiful animation. It This technology made strides this year with this particular movie. Yeah. There's a few movies in Pixar where they just made history. One, um, one was Monsters, Inc. with Sully's hair. That's when they first mm-hmm. got like the textured hair. If you notice, like in Toy Story, they had like plastic hair. So yeah. it looked like the toys, obviously. But like even the stuffed animals looked plastic. Um, and even like Andy had a buzzed head because they couldn't animate hair properly. Andy um, didn't have a buzzed head. Sid did. Sid? But Andy had a pretty much buzzed head. He had really short hair. Did he? Yeah. Hmm. Um. I'm Anyways, thinking of him as grown up. He's got like full hair, but yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, but Monsters, Inc., Sully's back hair. That was that was a major stride. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo, no other movie could properly animate, three, 3D animate water, or especially underwater. Now, that was a huge thing. Uh, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie? <laughs> okay, that came out after Finding Nemo. Actually, it didn't. 2002. Shut but up. Also... 2002 was the best year for movies. That movie bankrupted Big Idea Productions, so trying to get the water right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) But yeah, no, definitely the water was definitely a huge uh, challenge animation-wise. Figuring out how that worked and the physics of, like, they studied the physics of water for a very long time. And they mastered it, and it looks really good. I mean, um, but this particular movie, Coco, you can't animate fingers. Fingers are probably the hardest thing to animate, at, like at all in general. That's why Walt Disney's characters, Mickey, Goofy, Minnie, they all have they all have gloves. That's the reason mm-hmm. all old cartoons have gloves on. It's because fingers are hard to animate, and that's why Casper only had four fingers because it's like, hey, one less finger to animate. You yeah, know? <laughs> it takes forever to render. <laughs> <laughs> but not only did they have the fingers moving in this perfectly, they also had him play the notes on the guitar perfectly. Like if you Mm -hmm. wanted to learn how to play what he was playing, just slow-mo and look at the notes he was playing because it's accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they did a perfect timing. This is like eight different fingers moving at the same time. Well, I guess technically 10, but you can't do that. Like this was a hiss. This was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. And they executed that perfectly. Um, other than that, the colors in this movie, the themes, 
just the animation, the 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 landscape of the afterlife, the the golden leaves or whatever those were, those were beautiful. Just mm-hmm. like it's very neon like. Yeah, it was awesome. It was perfectly balanced. Yeah, uh, looking into some of the behind the scenes on this, um, they did they did mention about wanting the animation of the musicians to look accurate to real life. They like yeah. videoed, you know, the musicians actually playing the song so that the animators could, because a lot of them didn't play instruments, yeah. but they were looking at those, that video and kind of seeing the movement of the hands and all that to be able to get that accurately. Um, yeah. Also, one thing I was surprised about is I think this movie was in pre-production for like a long time. I think they really mm-hmm. uh, did their homework of like studying kind of like Mexican culture and sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it said they like started going down to like Mexico to like spend time with families and, you know, get kind of the landscape of the setting mm-hmm. and that the culture and that sort of thing. Like as early originally, as like, like 2011 as early, that early. Yeah. So it was like a they long were time. Originally planning. They were going to originally plan for this movie to be the 2014 Pixar movie, but there just wasn't one. Um, so it just got pushed back for some reason. Yeah. Well, technically the good dinosaur was, the 2014 that got pushed back to 20 i know that one got delayed yeah they were working on coco at the same time but they just weren't officially saying that so there is no 2014 pixar movie the music in this movie this is this movie is a musical this is yeah. just as much of a disney musical as it can be the music is great the music is original well some of the songs aren't but mm-hmm. um, they're all good and they all like I really love that Disney, like this past decade, has been working on like cultural representation. Uh huh. Um, like what they did with Black Panther, that was really cool. What th- they did this, they didn't have all a bunch of white actors playing these guys. Like they had actually like Hispanic actors and actresses, voice actors and animators and stuff, and like actually working on this movie. And they've done a really good job of that. And like representing Hispanic culture with Disney, because it's been pretty much whitewashed the past hundred years. <laughs> and whenever they have done it, brought in other cultures, haven't really done it as respectfully. As no, they, they have. No. That's why some some movies with the on Disney Plus have the contains outdated cultural <laughs> customs or something like that. I don't know yeah. the cultural depictions, but. Yeah, specifically the the right the well maybe the co-writer and co-director of this movie isn't someone that has like worked on hasn't directed uh a Pixar movie before. Mm-hmm. So but they brought him on with Lee Unkrich to like co-direct the movie. So I kind of felt like yeah. that was another step in that direction of like bringing someone on maybe that doesn't have directing experience but pairing them with someone that mm-hmm. you know does and and being able to kind of work together on that especially on this project that he kind of wrote and it was kind of very personal for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Adrian Molina. Yeah. Adrian Molina. But yeah, the music there, there's a few different aspects to this because the music's really good. It's got like the original songs, you know, that's in the movie, but then it's also got a mix of like the score. So it's like, yeah. And then there's just like source music, which is like, I think that's defined like music that characters in the movie can hear. You have the orchestra score to kind of like bring out the moments, the emotional moments throughout the movie. You've got the actual songs. But then like other than that, you've got like, you know, mariachi players playing in scenes, playing music. And so there's there's just a lot of music yeah. throughout the movie, even stuff you aren't even really thinking about. But 
Yeah, definitely. And the music is centered around the plot. I mean, this kid wants he wants to be a musician, but his family won't let him, which is pretty dumb. It's it's dumb. <laughs> Mama Imelda, what are you doing? You're going to have your ex-husband ruin music for you? Come on. I mean, there's plenty of people that are like, don't go into, you don't want to be a starving artist. Don't become a musician. Why don't you go get yeah, an engineering but... degree or something? <laughs> you know, but but not like, oh, you can't play music. That's pretty extreme. But yeah, the music in this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Uh, what, what would you say is your favorite song in this? Um, You know, I don't always remember the names of them. I was looking mm-hmm. through like the soundtrack earlier and I didn't rem- like I couldn't recognize the song by the name except for two of them, Un Poco Loco and Remember Me. Mm-hmm. But what's the one that's like, Buenos Noches, Buenos Tardes. <laughs> I can't sing it. <laughs> I don't know. It's very memorable. Uh, La-, La Llorona. Is that what you're thinking? No, that's the one where she sings. That's a good know. one. That one reminds me of I Need a Hero from Shrek 2. (laughs) (laughs) I need a hero. Um, I'm going to say that mine is The World Es Mi Familia. That one might be a little bit of that. I think that might be the same one I'm I'm thinking of. Yeah. That one's pretty good. Yeah, that's So it it seems very simple of a song, but I like it the most. It's like the happiest one. Yeah. Uh, Remember Me is great. It's great. Um, it's a little too much overplayed. Even yeah, in can't. the even in the world, they they're like they're tired of it. Exactly. He's um, like, oh, I'm gonna play that in the talent show. It's like everyone's playing that in the talent show. <laughs> like, oh, how about yeah. un poco loco? Yeah. Um, I can definitely picture Johnny Cash performing "Everyone Knows Juanita." <laughs> Everyone knows Juanita. <laughs> that would have been. A- <laughs> That was a good song. I like that one. Proud Corazon. That was a good one. La Llorona was kind of a epic song. Uh, disclaimer: If we pronounce anything wrong and we end up triggering some of our Hispanic fans, uh, let us know. Uh, but this is our apologies for horrible impressions and just a disclaimer: We're not perfect. I mean, yeah. And let's just have that for all our impressions in general, because we're not very good oh, impressionists. 100%, <laughs> yeah. I'm good at impressions, but not when I try to be good at impressions. <laughs> I, I feel like there's very random ones that I that I can have a pretty decent one. Mm-hmm. And actually, actually, I think next week I'm going to have a pretty good one that I'm going to be able okay. to do for the movie we're doing next week. But Oh, no, <laughs> I hate that. Okay, yeah, I'm excited for that. So, yeah, uh, we pretty much agree that I didn't think you'd pick that one as your favorite song because uh, it's not like the most popular song, but it's like the ending song. Well, I'm a hipster, so. <laughs> okay. And plus the right, the people that wrote Let It Go wrote Remember Me. So I'm like, it's just too mainstream, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. never mind. You know? um, 
Un Poco Loco is great, but I think it can get old after a while. The World Es Mi Familia, Familia is my favorite. It's your favorite. Great music overall. I, I didn't usually before we record, I try and listen to the soundtrack and all that before and kind of spend some time with it. But I, I didn't get a chance to with this one. So probably probably this next week while I'm working, I'll, I'll probably pull up the Coco soundtrack for sure. Because I, I did really enjoy it when I was rewatching the movie. I prefer listening to the Spanish version. Yeah, they're I good. See that. They just flow better. Mm-hmm. The wording when it translates into English just doesn't sound as good. <laughs> but they made it sound good. Um. Okay. So I wanted to ask you, uh, what did you think about just like the whole like concept of this movie? Because like Pixar movies are always known for like having these like high concept ideas. Well, so this isn't an original idea. They kind of piggybacked off of the actual holiday Dia de los Muertos. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they had the same rules and regulations from that to where they do. The legend says if you put their photo on uh, what's it called? The ofrenda. Oh. The ofrenda. I almost said veranda. <laughs> Putting the picture on the ofrenda every year. It's called the Day of the Dead. And it's on November 2nd, which is coming out. This, Which is why we're doing this movie, pretty much. Oh, yeah. We didn't um, even mention that at the beginning. Yeah, this is why we're doing this movie. Is because it's November like, 2nd coming on. Like last um, week, we're like, oh, we're not going to do any more Halloween movies. But we're like, <laughs> we're doing a Dia de los Muertos movie next week. So, yeah. <laughs> so the Day of the Dead is coming up pretty soon. So that I, there's another movie about the Day of the Dead that was stupid that came around at the same time. It was just a ripoff of Coco, pretty much. Um, oh, what anyway. was that called? Do you know? I can picture. I can picture the yeah like Book the of Life poster. I think. Book of Life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I didn't see it though. Maybe it came out before and Coco ripped it off, but I'm gonna say Coco was original because they have been planning it since 2011. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so like, if you put if you put your dead family's dead loved ones picture on the ofrenda, mm-hmm. they will be able to come visit you from the afterlife, in spirit, on mm-hmm. the day of the dead, and that's kind of a cool like it's like a dead version of Thanksgiving. Like I think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's a great holiday. Yeah. Like I would celebrate it. Um. It's just ba- basically to remember you're dead. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a good time to remember your past loved ones and learn more about your genealogy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was pretty much original. I mean, I don't know if is there a story like a storybook about this to where a kid goes into the afterlife because it seems like a book that would have been written back in the back in the there day. Probably there probably was or is. Um, I was trying to think. I, I, I mean, I know we talked about this holiday like in Spanish class, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like by the time this came out, I'd kind of forgotten a lot of that. So pretty much anything, you know, any knowledge I have about this holiday just comes from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as like visually, I just thought it was a pretty cool concept of like walking the bridge to visit, visit your family, you know, that like one night of the year sort of thing. And like, I just yeah. really liked the world. Like on the it other was, side that they're explore, that they're exploring, it was just like it was pretty yeah. cool. And it's in the same world, technically. Yeah, like it's still very earthly. It's just they're yeah, walking yeah. around yeah. skeletons. Yeah, and I like <laughs> it. They're all like when they're mixed in, like when they're on the other side, and they're like glowing, like the dead are glowing. Mm-hmm. They're there and visiting. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, it's very original-ish because it was based off a of holiday and like lore around it. And but I, this story where there were Coco, well, he's not even his name is not even Coco. This movie is about <laughs> Miguel. Miguel and not about Coco. Mama Coco is in like three minutes of it. She makes the most heartfelt bit. She's the she's the one that makes you cry. Yes. Yeah. Say that. So I guess that means this movie should be called Coco. But I guess Coco is better than Miguel. So a kid learning to do music, his family really disapproves of it. And he rebels by becoming a musician. <laughs> and he, I don't know, just like. He's, he's trying to seize his moment, like like De La Cruz. Yeah, it's kind of like Back, Back to the Future, though. A little bit of that. Which is an original film, yes. But it's like putting Back to the Future into the Day of the Dead. Whoa. I actually right? like this a lot. I'm thinking about this. This actually kind of works. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> like it's not his father, but it's like his, you know, his great-great-grandfather or whatnot. Yeah. And then he goes and plays plays Johnny Be Good at the talent show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Un Poco Locos translates to. Whoa. <laughs> it's very Back to the Future-ish. Yeah, I mean, even like he's looking at his hand and he's like, he's turning into them. Yeah. And there's, you know, he's like photo, fading away. He looks, he looks at the photo too. You know, and he's trying uh, to get back. So there's some connections there that I, I didn't put together. I, I think that's some expert analysis there on the Inside Quotes podcast. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like Ernesto de la Cruz is just like partying it up the whole time he's there. Dude. <laughs> Like, the thing is, like, I was thinking about him. It's like every people are going to remember him forever because of his legacy. Mm-hmm. Until like events that transpire in this movie. Yeah. Before before that, like he he never would have had that second death. What do they call it? Like he just never would have faded away because people would yeah. have always remembered him. People always would have had his picture up. So he's like, that's why he was like, he was really, uh, really. He's like, I'm I'm very particular about my reputation. You know, and he didn't want Coco. Uh, see, I was calling him Coco. He didn't want Miguel to go back and tell everyone, "Oh, I stole all your songs. I stole all his yeah. songs." You know, and people. Oh man, he like he probably that, did. So I feel like after that, people wouldn't have hung up his picture, and he would have faded away. I love how like night and day it was when they figured out it wasn't Ernest. Like everybody immediately turned on him. Like usually, <laughs> you remember when, <laughs> like when Bill Cosby was convicted. Of his crimes. And there's people still like defending him. They're like, no, there's no way he could have done that. No way. I'm defending him. I don't believe it. <laughs> you, you'd think that people would, there's some like Ernesto de la Cruz stands that would have like defended him. Mm-hmm. But no, it was just overnight. Remember me, statue. No, forget you. <laughs> <laughs> they canceled him. This is the big, this is the, this is the birth of cancel culture, actually. Yeah. So maybe this movie wasn't a good thing. <laughs> De La Cruz canceled. Watching the movie the first time, was that kind of a twist that you saw coming? As far yes. as like that, well, specifically that the guy he was running around with was like his, actually his great grandfather. The, the thing about that. What's his name? Is, Hector. I knew Hector. there was going to be a twist. I knew there was going to be a twist with Hector. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought it was going to be something else besides I, I was like, OK, if it's going to be his grandpa, if it's going to be his grandpa, that's going to be too simple. Hmm. Yeah, 
So what else is there going to be? Because I had high expectations for Pixar. This is something where they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Um, it's still a great movie. Great, great twist, even that. Um, I just expected more from the twist. Besides just, hey, I just realized you're my great-great-grandfather instead. At least, like, instead of just being the great-great-grandfather, at least reveal him that he's, like, your dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, he did run away from his family, but he did regret it and wanted to go back. He did. Uh, So, I mean, He he meant to go back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain, but he just didn't get a (laughs) chance to because he died. But the the dummy forgot to go back. He he was he was poisoned by some bad peaches. Yeah, hey chorizo. <laughs> that was funny. Um, imagine just getting roasted after you're dead on how you died because you choked on chorizo. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Worst. I bet they felt bad after saying like, "Oh yeah, you're you're poisoned." Oh yikes, <laughs> you're killed. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the family a little bit. Of I guess we didn't really even talk about his family like on Earth. But also his like relatives that are like dead as well. Yeah, I really liked his family, specifically like the ones like the dead ones. Yeah, <laughs> the other ones like they just weren't like really that supportive. They're like, "You want to play in the talent show? You have to have talent." <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really care. Other than his parents were like, "Oh, you don't have to shine shoes anymore." Like Andy Dwyer, you can start patching up shoes like we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a um, but I thought it was kind of cool. It's like it's like all his family knows him, even though they like they haven't met him. Yeah, it's like they come and visit him, but like they don't actually get to interact. It's like they're ghosts. They come, they like yeah. steal the food and bring it back to their place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they get to visit, but it's like that. Actually, the first time I watched this, I was confused by that because I didn't know if they like actually like one night of the year did they actually get to interact with their family, but it doesn't really seem that way. No, they don't. But it was cool. Like, you see the pictures on the ofrenda of all the different ones, and then you get to see them in real life. And it's kind of cool yeah. to like, think about, like, because I, I mean, there's like pictures of relatives that I've seen that I have, like, I've never met or anything like that. And so it'd be kind of cool to, like, see what yeah, their personality yeah. actually was like, that sort of thing. Like Florida, the grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Not the state. <laughs> we had a great great grandmother whose name was Florida, and she was 100% Native American. Mm hmm. And her name was Florida. <laughs> we grew up in Florida. <laughs> yeah, we can we can kind of get to the skip to the end. I mean, part part of the the plot of is Miguel's got to get back because he could. I guess he could get stuck there. Is that? Yeah. No, that he could happened? he could start fading away. Yeah. Um. And also Hector, because his family has like refused to put his picture up, they ripped his head off. Yeah, uh, he's never been able to return, so he's about to fade away as well. And you even get that scene with like one of his friends there that they get the guitar from. You'd think that like, just his head would fade away because that's the only part <laughs> that was ripped off. <laughs> the rest of them's there. Yeah, um, they're all like, "Oh, I know a guy who has who has a guitar. Let's just wait for him to die so we can take his guitar." <laughs> can you die already? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to earn it. I love how there's just death even in the afterlife. Yeah, it's it, it almost seems like you get to live and just like party it up for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Before you like really die, everyone forgets yeah. you. 
I kind of find peace. Like this is a little deep. Everybody's worried about like, oh, what's the point of being famous? You're just going to be forgotten about in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of humbles you a little bit and puts you in yeah. a perspective that like things in life aren't really worth achieving if you're giving up other things in life that do last forever. Why would you care about like? I don't want to be famous because I don't want to worry about what other people think of me, just what the people that I care about think of me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause it's just invalid. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's my little deep, deep part of the night. I did think it was interesting when Hector meets back up with like Imelda at near yeah. the end. And I, that's the one thing I was confused about was like, obviously she knew she wasn't, she wasn't married to De La Cruz, even though the audience thinks that she was the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot. You know, it's like, plot. it's like, apparently she was just ignoring Hector the whole time. Like anytime he tried to talk to her, she wouldn't give him the time of day. Yeah, and it was only because of like they were trying to help Miguel that that she even, you know, would even stand to talk to him. Well, he never really said Ernesto De La Cruz was his grandfather. He just said grandfather. Right. Right. Musician. He he's just assuming he thinks that's his theory, and so yeah. the audience is just buying on into that the whole movie. But one thing that like stuck out to me was like, he's like she's like I'll help you, but I won't forgive you. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Of like, usually like in these movies, it's yeah. like it's, they're trying to spread that message of forgiveness, which she 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 does eventually. Yeah, later on she warms up to it, but at first she's just like. I won't forgive you, but I'm going to help you because I want to help Miguel, that sort of thing. That's a, that's a real subject they covered right there. Yeah. Like, they didn't sugarcoat that. They were like, oh, yeah. everything's better now. No. Yeah. Some things are getting better, but it takes time. I think that mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how she, her love for music was restored when she was playing live in front of the dead people. I think that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic that <laughs> you're playing for dead people but you're playing live. <laughs> I wonder if there's some like Grateful Dead album, live album that uses that pun somehow. <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, playing for all the deadheads. Uh, another thing I, I thought was like interesting as far as like the afterlife, whatever, whatever that, that place is. It's like all the same, all the same things of, of like earth are like still in place basically. As far as like status, like people say like, oh, death is the great equalizer. But it's like, no, because De La Cruz is still having like exclusive parties that you need an invite to get into, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like the same thing, just like the rules are a little bit different. I had a, I had another thought, uh, kind of going back to the more serious things we were, we were mentioning. Yeah. Basically, when Miguel gets back, like you think he doesn't have a picture. At least he thinks he doesn't have a picture of Hector. Yeah. So he thinks Hector's going to fade away or whatever. But he plays the song. And like the whole movie, Mama Coco never says like a word. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't ever talk or anything. But like, I thought it was interesting the way they um, portrayed, like the way like music can like trigger memories in people. Yeah. Yeah, it can. And how, how it's, I don't know, that can be like an effective thing. It's like it just brings back all these things. And like, you just see like, all of a sudden she seems like 10 years younger because she's able to recall stuff that's happening and, and things like that. And I, I thought that was interesting. Music is not an invention, mm-hmm. a man-made invention. It is an otherworldly concept 
and it does thing. It's like a whole nother language. Like there's people that, I mean, there's kids with autism that don't have any social skills at all. Yet mm-hmm. they're amazing at playing the guitar or something like that. And I, I saw a TikTok the other day of this old lady in a nursing home that has mm-hmm. dementia and she yeah. looked confused as can be. Um, but she was playing Maple Leaf Rag perfectly. Yeah. Did you did you see that one? I haven't that seen it, cool. but um yeah, I've heard of that of like playing music can kind of help people that have issues with memory and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's like you would think they wouldn't remember how to play it, but it's just like they just know how to do it and it just yeah, it just helps. I don't know. And I I'm thinking like you've heard of like art therapy being a mm-hmm. thing. And I've heard some people say they want to get into that and they want to do that. And I was like always said like, "Oh, that's kind of lame. What are you going to be a marine biologist too?" You know? But it's <laughs> that's 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 a Florida thing. Every every high schooler at one point wants to be a marine biologist because they can because they're by the beach. Yeah, <laughs> they want to work with dolphins, but they don't know what being a marine biologist really entails. Oh, anyways, you you uh, just disrespected a future marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Dolphin Tail twice. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I really just don't like what SeaWorld really does, you know? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think art therapy has a, a, a great benefit to it, especially for like dementia patients and stuff. Yeah. Whether it's like painting, if you're good at painting, that'll pottery, that's cool. You can, that's good for your hands too, but it's also good for your brain. Mm-hmm. I think if you're, if your whole life originated or was centered around art, like mine and yours is, and you don't have that when you need it, it kind of messes with your brain. But once you get it back, you feel a little bit more normal. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when we when we get older and our, our memory starts to go, we'll at least be able to remember, you know, our, our uh, quotes from holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone just starts, starts watching holes and be like, I remember that. <laughs> Me and you are going to be the same... <laughs> Oh man, they're gonna think we have dementia. <laughs> Me and you're gonna be in the same nursing home, and our nurse is gonna come in. I'm gonna be like, Jaguar, nice car. <laughs> and she'll be like, What are you talking about? And you'll be laughing your butt off. <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll man, just, we'll just try and say Dude, the most random things. Being old as us, like we're gonna have way more fun than the old people did. Because we have we have movies, we have video games, we have social media. We know what we're going to be doing. We're going to have a blast. <laughs> when he comes back to the real life, and he starts to he locks himself in the room with Mama Coco, mm-hmm. and he starts playing her that song. That's the Pixar moment for me. That's that's the. I mean, you get the vibe, you get the feel the whole time of what a Pixar movie really is. But every movie has that gut wrenching, not gut wrenching. Heart squeezing, heartstring pulling, heartstring plucking, teardrop, waterworks turning moment where you're just like, you get hit with a truck of feels. Mm -hmm. And if you don't cry in this Pixar movie, you might be a sociopath. (laughs) If, if If these movies don't affect you emotionally, I'm sorry for you because it's an experience. Did you cry at that scene? Are you a sociopath? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sociopath. <laughs> okay. No, that's definitely the most, I mean, emotional part of the movie. 
and it's definitely uh it's definitely what? where it hits you in the feels oh man it hits you like a truck dude i don't think my eyes started to water but you know it was close <laughs> it's it's an old person thing yeah um, i think especially like with dementia and like alzheimer's and kind of stuff like that when you have a little glimpse of their old self and they remember you a little bit it's just yeah. like so relieving to where mm-hmm. you just want to cry a little bit i i wanted to say on uh, along those lines like probably the moment that really i mean the most emotional part of that scene isn't isn't seeing miguel play isn't seeing coco it's seeing coco's no. daughter like kind of loosen up for a second and like yeah stop stop oh, like yeah. fighting yeah. about him playing music and just listening and like the tears coming to her eyes when saw her fists are clench. Yeah. And she was just like, Whoa. Cause she's, she's probably never seen that in her mom before. Well, she Coco wasn't a music advocate. How? Yeah. Yeah. Trained to know like, Oh, your father walked out like, and she taught her daughter about that and her, like the whole family is just like, music she had stuff. to have. Yeah. For that yeah. to have been yeah. that way. But, but then when she saw her mom singing and reaching into that deep pocket of memories, mm-hmm. and that was when it hit me. I whenever Coco started singing faintly, that was it. That was it for me. And I mean, Miguel, his his voice actor was great, mm-hmm. phenomenal. Because yeah. just the way his voice shook while he was singing, that was such a real moment. But yeah, the combination of Miguel singing, Coco singing, and remembering, and the grandma what's her name yeah i can't remember realizing like i think i think his dad was probably the most supportive out of all of his family yeah he was sort of like the voice of reason even though he supported the rest of the family on the no and music he, but he tr- yeah he tried to to stop the grandma from destroying his guitar Miguel's yeah. guitar earlier yeah. on but yeah um but yeah the combination of all that and like especially seeing the grandma loosen up and just realize um, just getting to realize that it was that was a big, big moment, and is where it, you're surrounded by tearful emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a really sweet ending to it, especially like the happy ending at the end, where they got the sigh of relief you had when Hector got approved to walk over into the afterlife the next year. Yeah, that was awesome. yeah. You were like holding your breath a little bit, and you're, mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah. great. You felt so happy for him. So, Coco, great movie. Pixar brought the magic back. Honorary staple of our childhood. That's what we're gonna call these movies: honorary staples. That's good. I like that. Honorary. It's staple. so good. It's honorary staple <laughs> to our hearts and our childhood. I think whenever we come up with merch, I think we should have staple staple shirts or something. That'd be kind of cool. Excuse me, I believe you have my stapler. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, I think we seized our moment recording today's episode. We sure did, man. And uh, it's such a good, good time. I love doing yeah. this. I didn't, I didn't want to follow the rules. I just wanted to follow my heart. You know, that's what I did. <laughs> so, Jonathan, next week it is your turn to choose the next movie. Uh, do you know which movie you're going to be picking for next week? Yes, I do. So it's a sci-fi movie, kind of a comedy. Has Alan Rickman in it as a oh, small part? It takes place in space, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? No, no, no. It's a it's a different one. 
Different one. Oh, okay. So it's the other sci-fi movie that's also a comedy that takes place in space and also has Alan Rickman. Huh. Okay. All right. Roll the clip. By Grabthar's hammer. What a savings. All right. Yeah, let's hear it. So our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's a great host, guest host, or I guess he was a great special guest for the podcast. If you want to listen to that episode, go ahead. Uh, we, we talked about Monster House, classic Halloween episode. Uh, but if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can find him at, at GroovyBridge. Uh, just spell it like you hear it. But yeah, go ahead and give him a follow. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at inside quotes cast and yeah everyone be sure to follow us on instagram we're trying to get as many followers as ernesto de la cruz so he's in the yeah. millions <laughs> does he actually so senior maurice actually has an instagram page and he has 190 followers i was gonna ask the listeners did you ever experience was it just us that watched senior maurice videos or do you know who we're talking about because uh, that's that seems like something we should reach out on tiktok on reach out on tiktok for like was i the only one or did everybody else know what i'm talking about interesting maybe maybe we can have him as a guest (laughs) probably would and if you're listening on apple podcasts or any other any other app that lets you leave a review please do we appreciate it we'd like to thank the deadheads for listening to today's episode and we'll see you next time see you next time make sure you stay away from the chanclas avoid those at all costs (laughs) see you guys way that I can be. Oh.